my joy to welcome everybody to the meeting this evening. Sometimes we say afternoon, sometimes we say night, but we'll say evenings, that's somewhere that covers them both. We're glad to see you all, and we trust that everyone, and I mean that everyone, will be blessed as a result of our brief time round the Word of God. Now, the announcements for this incoming week are as follows. On Wednesday evening at 8 p.m., there's the prayer meeting and Bible study, and the passage under consideration is 2 Thessalonians and chapter 2. Next Lord's Day, at 11.30 a.m., the breaking of bread. At 3 p.m., the Sunday school. At 4.30 p.m., the prayer meeting. And then that's followed at 5 p.m. again by the gospel meeting. And the speaker next Lord's Day is our brother Raymond Kirkpatrick from Portadown. Now, it says here, all meetings announced in the will of the Lord. And all are welcome to these meetings. Now, I want to read with you the second part of one verse and the first part of the following verse, and you'll find them both in the Acts of the Apostles and chapter 16. Acts of the Apostles and chapter 16. <clears throat> Acts chapter 16 and partway through verse 30, we'll commence to read. Acts 16 and verse 30. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. We'll read it again. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Now that's our reading, and we look to the Lord to bless it to all our hearts. I would say that this is probably one of the greatest questions that we read in our Bible. There are many other great questions, but this certainly is one of the greatest. What must I do to be saved? It has been upon my mind for the half week that's passed. And no matter how much I thought of other passages of Scripture, it still came before me for this gospel meeting. And I believe that it is for someone in our meeting today. I wonder, is there one who has come to the meeting here in Ballyclare this evening? And the burden of your heart is, what must I do? to be saved. I want to say something before we go back to the question at all, and that is this, that it's possible for you to be saved before you leave the meeting today. Can I go further? It's God's desire that you would be saved before you leave the meeting today. And we'll come to it in the passage itself as we go to look at it. I want to tell you that God has done everything possible and everything necessary that you could be saved in the meeting today. It's a wonderful question, isn't it? What must I do to be saved? I want, first of all, to think of what it really means to be saved. It's a word you know you find quite often in Scripture. But just at its most basic level, what does it mean to be saved? 
You know, just a couple of weeks ago, whenever our monarch passed away, then instead of saying, God save the queen, they changed their words to God save the king. Did you ever wonder what they meant? To be saved has got two very basic meanings. The first is to be preserved from danger. And the second is to be rescued out of it. My dear friend, one of the great things about the message of the gospel is that the first thing it does for us is it shows us our need. And then it tells us how that need can be met. You see, here's a man. And he knows that he needs to be saved. I I take it from the passage, if you look at it, he was a mature man. He had a family who were likely well grown up. I take it from the passage, he was a very responsible man. I take it from the passage, he was a model employee. In other words, he was able to do his job properly. And yet with all, he comes to this great realization that I need to be saved. I'm in danger. There's something that is coming upon me that I need to be rescued from. And hence he he brings out this wonderfully great question. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? You know, one thing in a gospel meeting is very important, and that is to be plain. And that was reinforced upon my heart when I listened to some of the brothers praying in the prayer meeting in the room at the back. I want to make it very clear. You need to be saved because you are a sinner in the sight of God. And your sin has separated you from God. And your sin will permanently separate you from God if it's not dealt with. That's what we read in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. The word death means to separate. When a person dies, the body and soul are separated. And the wages of sin is not just physical death, but the wages of sin is eternal death. That is, your sin will separate you eternally from God. That's why you need saved from your sin. That's why you need cleansed from that sinful self. But then you see, there's more than that. Not only is a soul separated by their sin from God, but their soul is to be punished for their sin by God. You know, the God of eternity, we love to think of him as a God of love. And he is. Every single person in the meeting today is the object of the love of God. But you know something else? He's not only a God of love, but he's a God of absolute righteousness. And those sins of yours that have separated you from God, Those sins have to be righteously dealt with. God will pay wages, recompense for sin. And the sad but necessary truth is this. That ahead of you for your sins lies God's punishment. God's judgment, righteous judgment 
And though people don't like to hear it, and you know something, it's not nice to say it, but it is absolutely vital. God's punishment for you for your sin is when life's journey is over to send you down to hell and ultimately the lake of fire for eternal punishment. You see, we're living in a world where sin is looked upon lightly, where sin is legalized, where sin is loved, where sin is a word that people don't like to use anymore because it, fill, it hits their conscience. But my dear friend, sin separates us from God now and sin separates us from God for eternity. And if your sin is not dealt with before you die, you will face the consequences of it when you die. And that's why you need to be saved. Here's a man in Acts chapter 16 and he knew the necessity of being saved. I want just to pause for a very brief moment. Do you know that you need to be saved? You say, why, well, I go to gospel meetings. Didn't ask that. Do you know that you need to be saved? There's a dear old man came to the gospel meeting in Edenderry for over 70 years. Not saved. When he finally did get saved, one of the preachers, it was Mr. Jim Martin, says to him, Millen, tell us why are you only getting saved now? Listen carefully. From the lips of a man who went to the gospel meeting all his life, he says, it was only in recent weeks that I learned that I needed to be saved. My dear friend in the meeting in Ballyclare this afternoon, has it ever hit your conscience? Has it ever got into your soul? Has it ever caused you indeed to feel a burden? That as I stand before the God of eternity, I'm a sinner. I'm separated from God by my sin. And if I die as I am, I'll be in hell. And that is why I need to be saved. Here's a man, and he understood the necessity of being saved. Sirs, what must I do to be saved. But there's something else as I look at this question. It reveals to me that here's a man and he realized there was a possibility that he could be saved. He says, what must I do to be saved? Wouldn't it be sad? Wouldn't it in fact be a tragedy if we couldn't turn to the word of God and find out more than just that we need to be saved, but we can find that we can be saved. It's possible to be saved. Here's a man and he believed it, and he wants it. You know, the wonderful message of the gospel is that not only is being saved a necessity, I want to tell you it's a great possibility. It's possible for you to be saved because God loves you. And God not only loves you, but he has provided salvation to meet your need for all eternity. 
That's why we read in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15 that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's why, my friend, he went to the cross at Calvary. And on, the, on that cross, the sinless and holy Son of God, he willingly died, bore the awful penalty and judgment for sin, so that those who deserve the penalty and deserve the judgment of sin for all eternity, that they might be saved. John 3 tells us that they might not perish, but have everlasting life. And my dear friend, the wonderful possibility is that you can be saved because God has provided in Christ salvation to meet your need for all eternity. That's what we read in Romans chapter 6, isn't it? Chapter 5, sorry. Christ died for the ungodly. Wonderful, isn't it? To think that a world of guilty sinners who deserve nothing but judgment from God for all eternity, that it's possible to have salvation. Why? Because one day outside Jerusalem upon a cross at Calvary, God's sinless, holy son, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, he willingly went to that cross and he suffered and he died to provide salvation. That's why we sang in that hymn, there's salvation full and free. There's a pardon now for thee. If you're in need, you really see, will you come? I must move on. The necessity of salvation, what must I do to be saved? The possibility of being saved. He asked the question, what must I do? I want us to maybe think just for a moment or two about the simplicity of salvation. You see, some people think that getting saved is a very difficult thing. In this particular passage here, here was a man and he and his whole house got saved in one night. If you go a little bit further back in the Acts of the Apostles, you'll find that when the gospel was preached by Peter at Pentecost, there were thousands got saved in one day. I want to tell you God's salvation is simple to have. Listen to what they said. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. It is as simple as that. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. I, I need to unpick that a little. You see, when I was a little fellow going along to Sunday school, I used to hear that said time and time again. In fact, I learned it off by heart. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Well, first of all, it doesn't mean to believe about him. It means to believe on him. When I was a young boy of 11 years of age, I was sleeping in a bedroom in a house called Rocky Park in the Derry Road in Rafoe in County Donegal. And my cousin was speaking to me at the time. He knew I wanted to be saved. 
And he said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And I knew that verse as much as he did, but I didn't see salvation. He spoke to me about other verses. And here's what he said to me then. He says, what about the words trust and rely? You see, when we tell someone to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, or whenever we look to believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, it is putting a simple trust in him as our Savior. You see, he's a living Savior. He died upon the cross for sin. He was raised again the third day. He ascended back to God's right hand in heaven, and he is a living Savior. And those who simply put their trust in him as their savior, they'll be saved because he cannot fail. And so as a young boy of just 11, I put my trust in Christ as my savior. On what basis? That one day outside Jerusalem, he died for my sins upon the cross at Calvary. That's what it means to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, some are trusting in their own good works to get to heaven. It'll never work. Some are trusting in being charitable and benevolent with their money. It'll never get them to heaven. Those things are good in their own place, but they will never get a soul's salvation. The only way to be saved is a complete reliance, a complete trust, a complete belief and resting upon Christ. On what basis that one day he died upon the cross for my sin? And here's this man in all his need. He asks a short but very important question. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they pointed him to a person who would save him. They didn't tell him to do good works. They didn't tell him to stop beating the prisoners. They didn't tell him to wash their stripes or anything like that. They didn't tell him to let them go. No, none of those things. They pointed him to one who would save him if he would just put his trust in him. And you know something? In October 2022, it's exactly the same, not a whit different. If you want to be saved for eternity, if you want your sins forgiven, if you want to be rescued from going down to hell, if you want to enjoy eternity with Christ, there's only one way to have it. And that is to put your full trust in Christ as your Savior, realizing that when he died upon the cross, he died for me. Wonderful answer, isn't it? the simplicity of salvation. Just want to dwell for a little, a little second upon the certainty of salvation. You know, this man, it says he believed in God. He just took them at their word. And he was saved. Can you be sure about it? Yes, because God's word says it. Is there any doubt about it? Not a whit. The Lord Jesus Christ himself said, Him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. The Lord Jesus Christ in John chapter 3, 16, he says, Whosoever believeth in him, that is in the, in the Son that God sent, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There's no doubt whatever about it. 
and the soul who in simplicity accepts that they are a sinner deserving of judgment and puts their trust in Christ, realizing that it was for them that he died upon the cross at Calvary. The authority of God's word allows them to say they are saved. As the old preacher Frank Knox used to say it, God's word says that I believe it and that settles it. What must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. I want to finish just with a little word of warning. I want us to think of the calamity of not being saved. You know, at the very beginning of the meeting this evening, I said to you that there's a great possibility you can be saved. And God has made it possible by what Christ has done upon the cross and by the simplicity with which he offers salvation absolutely free to the person who puts their trust in Christ. But I want to tell you something else. The fact that God loves you, and he does, the fact that Christ came from heaven to die upon the cross to provide salvation for you, and he did. The fact that God offers you that salvation absolutely free through simple faith, through putting your trust in Christ as your Savior, is no guarantee that you will be saved. Because it's possible you could go out the doors of this hall tonight without Christ. And perish for all eternity. Wouldn't that be a calamity? Wouldn't that be a disaster beyond words? To know that God loves you. To know that Christ died to provide salvation for you. To know that God offers you that salvation absolutely free. and to refuse it and to perish in your sins for all eternity. My dear friend, there's no calamity greater than to have known how you could have been saved and to have had the opportunity to have been saved and to refuse it and perish for all eternity. Can I leave this short, simple message with you this evening? I trust the Spirit of God will write it upon your soul. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. May I do it today and enjoy salvation for all eternity. Shall we pray? Our Father, we have sought with stammering words to present thy beloved Son to sinners in a meeting again this evening. And our earnest desire is that they may come and trust him as their Savior for eternity. We pray that thou wouldst write these brief yet precious words 
upon the heart of each dear friend gathered with us who's not saved, that even today they may in simplicity just turn to Christ and unreservedly cast their all for salvation upon him, resting upon that wonderful truth that when he died upon the cross for sinners, that he did indeed die for them. Bless each one here. Take us home in safety. Remember us indeed in thy mercy as we give thanks and ask all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ.